the Sexual Life Podcast, here to stay, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm here to tell you that this is a podcast you definitely need to listen to. It is with my buddy, Bert Botta, life coach extraordinaire. Not just a life coach, not just a good life coach, but literally one of the best life coaches, uh, God, man, assistants, personalities, whatever, man, that, that I have ever met. I mean, truly amazing, and you're going to hear from this podcast. Uh, check it out. I have my buddies uh, Jerry and Gary, who are both Mastermind alumni, who are on this call. And look, guys, if you want to be a better person, a better man, a better, well-rounded human being that can truly be a, a beautiful expression of who you are, no more facade, no more lies, but a real authentic person that can stand up and be himself. You know, be your own hero. Be your own person to look up to. This is a podcast you really need to listen to. Bert's a guy that has truly lived life. I've known him for years. We've worked together. Um, I One of the few people that I truly look up to. Um, we really go down deep inside with a lot of this stuff, and Bert covers a lot of things. And the best way to get to know that, I hate to say it is, you're going to have to just listen to it. So if you like what you hear, go to thesexuallife.com. Uh, sign up on the email list, stay in touch on Facebook. Also, Bert Botta is at BertBotta.com, B-E-R-T-B-O-T-T-A.com. Check him out. Awesome. All right, party people, it's Steve Maeda with the Sexual Life Podcast, and today we got some good action. We have, uh, we, we have like an interesting combination going on, try, trying to kill like two birds with one stone, is uh, I got my, my buddy, my good friend, Bert Botta on, who is one of the best, um, well, I mean, I, I don't even know how to exactly say it, but one of the best coaches, you could say life coach, but many things like uh, that he does that I know, and I, I met him uh, almost two years ago, and when I first met him, I was like, man, this guy's got it. Um, he's on the line, and we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff with him. But also, I have two guys who are I'm really, really proud to have on. They're they're a part of their mastermind alumni. They're actually a part of a pretty hefty competition that we're doing with the Sexual Life right now. And also, guys who help me out a lot. Um, one of the things that I think is probably one of the the benefits of having the job I have is you get to work with all these guys, and you know, I mean, they end up kind of saving your ass at times. So. Uh, that's Jerry and Gary. So we got Bert, who's in. Are you in Sausalito right now? No, uh, Northern Marin, Nevada. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so San Francisco Bay Area. We have Gary, who's in Fresno, and Jerry, who's in Chicago, the Windy City. So what's up, what's up, guys? Steve. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's get this party started. First off, um, we're all going to kind of hone in on Bert here. Uh, first off, Bert, how do people get a hold of you? Um, via phone or my email uh, or my website, which is bertbotta.com, B-E-R-T-B-O-T-T-A.com. That's still undergoing tweaking, um, but it's it's basically lays out who I am and what I do, and um, that's the best way to do it. And you can check out my LinkedIn profile. Uh, you get a really good sense of where I've been, what I've been doing, and uh, it's just LinkedIn, Bert Botta, B-E-R-T-B-O-T-T-A. Yeah, dude, and this is one of the things which I always think is interesting. You know, um, at least in my business, people have all these fancy websites and stuff, and I was actually talking about this with a dude, uh, Jay the Ripper, Jared, who runs this, uh, I mean, Bert, you won't know about this, but uh, 
Gary definitely knows, and Jerry Jerry knows about different layers and stuff. But uh, uh, Gary knows Jared personally. But one of the things is, is we were talking about my website, and for the longest time, I just had this kind of like rogue renegade website that had a really bad title and all this sort of stuff. And we were saying, like, man, why does it matter to have all this kind of like SEO stuff? Like, I get it, you know, if you're going to be in business, but you're a dude who's a real dude. Like, you've lived life, you've been married, you've been divorced, you're married, you, you've, you've been a pilot, you've, you've seen the, the ups and downs and all that sort of stuff about life, and I think that's something that resonated uh, with you right away. And I remember when we met, we met uh, at this conference thing, and man, you were just like, look, I'm a guy who has a lot of experience, and I help men become men. I help men, be, you know turn and, and become the, the ideal man they're supposed to be. And the way you put it was just, I mean, it was so genuine and from the heart. And, uh, you know, I'm a guy that works with people. I've worked with a lot of people. And when you do that, you kind of realize who's full of shit and who's not. And uh, it was like immediate that you just kind of had a great, great presence about yourself. So what is it that you would say in a nutshell that you do, if that's possible? Um, I work with men. And... What I've found uh, over the years, Steve, uh, Jerry and Gary, is that um, most men do not have a sense of themselves, uh, a deep sense of themselves. Um, A lot of guys are pretty superficial in their approach to life, and that's because uh, we were pretty much raised by men, fathers, who were not there for us emotionally, and I'm generalizing, guys, so cut me some slack here. Um, generally speaking, we're raised by men who didn't know how to really express their feelings or their emotions to us. My dad never told me he loved me, and I've been talking to a lot of guys over the years, and I'd say 70% of the men I talk to have never been told they've been loved by their fathers. That's pretty deep stuff. And so when men don't feel that kind of support from mentors and elders in their life, they pretty much remain at a superficial or, um, you know, a juvenile level of looking at the world. And they act that out in very strange and destructive ways. And, and also, again, i got to tell you guys that I'm generalizing here, but it, it holds true because of about the 3,000 men that I've worked with, pretty much it, it cuts across the board. And so when they act out of that immature, um, uninitiated place, that it, it raises chaos in their life. And eventually men come to a point in their life where they crash and burn. It's either through a divorce, through drinking, through drugs, whatever it is, they end up in the gutter. And then, and only then, sometimes they take a serious look at their life. And in some cases, it's too late. So I try to get guys before it's too late. Um, But there's nothing you can do with men who really aren't willing to take a look at themselves. So that's what I do. I take and guide men through... um, a kind of an initiation process through my coaching, and that takes, uh, I call it the wake-up call, and it's about uh, men who have had some problems, uh, men who are reaching out for um, something in their life. They're going through a relationship issue, uh, the relationship's on the rocks, and they want to save it, or they're in a divorce, 
and they don't want to go down with the ship, um, have problems in their in their relationships, fathering kids, or um, uh, various other you know uh, crisis. I mean, their lives lack purpose and passion. Guys are searching, and so they they do really silly things, you know, looking for that purpose and passion. Uh, it's either drinking drugs or you know uh, sexual addiction, whatever. So. When I see guys like that, my, my, my heart goes out to them, and I reach out to them, and, and I ask them questions. I ask them questions about, you know, how are you? What's going on in your life right now? Um, what's up for you? What kind of issues are you going through? And before a man can really open up, he's got to feel safe. And it's like social media, Steve, you know. Um, you have to create a rapport, a trust with men before they will open up to you. And that's the hardest part, because that trust then starts to build a, a safe place for a man to open up. Let's face it, guys, in our culture, we don't have a lot of safety when it comes to working with other men. We compete with other guys for our women, for our careers, uh, for money, etc. So when a man starts to feel safe, he can drop those facades that he's built up around his heart, literally, uh, and that he projects to the world. I mean, we all have a, a way that we like to be seen in the world. And a lot of times that comes from covering up our real self, our authentic self, with these layers of, um, of false self. And so as you begin to strip away these false selves, what you begin to see is the real guy come out from underneath that. And then when the real guy starts to show up, you've got to make it real safe for him to be vulnerable, to be open, to be passionate. And that's where a lot of men's passion comes from is being, feeling safe enough to say, Shit, you know, I've been doing this job all my life and I hate it. And I really want to do something that really turns me on and I love to do. Um, and that comes out of a sense of service. So that's, uh, does that does that make any sense to you guys? Oh, no, hell yeah, hell yeah. Okay, well, we're on the right track then. Um, so it's just, you know, and the wake-up call is uh, guys just saying, Shit, I want my life to be different. Nothing's the way it used to be, and I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to go with this. Um, you know, and then what you got to do is you got to take a look at what your wake-up call is trying to tell you. You got to interpret it. I mean, it's like, why, why am I feeling this way right now? You know, I'm, I've run out of steam. I thought I'd, uh, I was 35 years old, 40 years old. I thought I'd have the world by the ass by this time, and it didn't pan out that way. So how do we work together? How do you take a look at your life and get it on track with what you really intended to do? For me, it's a, it entails all the, all the components of a man's life. It's the emotional part of him, the spiritual part of him, the physical part of him. Um, uh, all these parts of him uh, have a lot to do with whether or not he's going to really get on with doing what, you know, God, in my sense, God put him here on the earth to do. And... One, a guy will come to me and he'll say, okay, I'm not making enough money, man. I'm just, I, I'm just barely getting by. So we start working together. And all these other things start to come to the surface. Well, maybe the reason he's not making enough money is he's, he's you know, got a lot of addictive behavior. He's pouring money out you know, through unconscious ways of spending it. Uh, his physical health is, is in the tank. Uh, he's got no spirituality whatsoever. He doesn't feel connected to people. He doesn't know what the, a natural feeling is. He doesn't know anything about nature. So all these things start to come together where a guy will think, this, if I just get enough money, I'll get my life on track. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. In our Western culture, it's like, you know, it's very, we categorize things. 
you know, in, a, in the Eastern culture, it's like everything is more integrated. So what my attempt to do with guys is to get them to integrate all these parts of ourselves and then start to walk through life in a way that expresses that integration, that balance. So... Um, is that making sense as hell well? Hell yeah, hell. Dude, I just didn't want to interrupt you, man. You were on a roll, so. But no, I just I don't want to continue on too long. But at the same time, you move through these different stages, and if you guys, a lot of guys will ignore the call. They'll ignore the wake up call and they'll go back into the same old shitty behavior that that got them there in the place in the first place. But the interesting thing about it is that once you become aware that your life's not working the way it should then it's too painful to go back to sleep again. And so that a man might, you know, he'll he'll wake up and say, shit, I'm I'm being woke up, but what am I being woken up for? And so a lot of times I'll work with a guy and he'll go away and come back and say, you know, we really need to dig into this. I'm tired of this crap. So um, that happens quite often. You know, if you ignore it, it, then, then you're destined to either live with the pain and continue to repeat the stuff that got you in trouble to begin with, or you can say, okay, I'm going to dig into this and get some work done. So, and, I, and there's, some, there's seven categories or stretches that I call it. A stretch is basically a promise to do something new for your personal growth. And it usually begins, uh, you know, by doing more behaviors that really support who you are and help to move you forward. Uh, the seven stretches I talk about are be willing to take a look at yourself. You know, be willing to look at uh, acknowledging your present situation and all its issues and uh, curious how these events came to be, how you were involved, and then taking responsibility for how the hell you got here rather than blaming somebody else, blaming your ex-wife or blaming your mother or father. And those things, that kind of behavior just continues on and on and on until you just dig yourself an emotional hole. And then be willing to learn about yourself. You know, and then also be willing to learn from other men rather than try to compete with and kick ass on and uh, dominate or be smarter than. And that's all kinds of stuff that we all do, you know. I've been one of the worst at some of this stuff, so I'm talking from experience, guys. And then be willing to learn about uh, the people who influenced you, mother and father, mentors, uh, brothers, sisters, and really take a look at how that shaped you, who you are, and your behavior. And then be willing to act on some choices that you want to make uh, to change your life. You know, and that, that, that comes up to number five. And then number six is uh, be willing to take responsibility at that point for your actions in the past and in the future. And that's sometimes pretty hard for guys to get past, but, it, but that is a very, very crucial step. And then the seventh stretch is be willing to, to uh, put into action what you learn in your everyday life and then act it out. I really love working with guys because what I'll do, you know, is we'll be working on the phone or whatever, and then I'll set up a situation where we meet in person. And we'll take a walk through life. We'll spend a day together or two days. And we'll just go through life situations and we'll observe how the, how the man acts his everyday, you know, uh, interactions. And it's really, really important in telling uh, when a guy, when I'm, when I'm with a guy, to see how he treats other people, to see what his behavior is, to see whether, whether his approach to things is negative or when he, or he expects the worst or is positive and expects the best. So it's really, really telling at that point. And that usually doesn't happen until I've been working with a guy for a while. But I love to do that kind of, I call it the walkabout, you know, like they do in Australia. So, yeah. Dude, yeah, man. So there we are with the seven stretches. I know. You just you just gave, like, so much. It's it's freaking crazy. But, 
Dude, I got to tell you, man, so many people, like, end up in these spots. And, uh, like, I see it with other people. I see it with myself. And, in fact, like, you know, when when you haven't experienced stuff like this, like, when you haven't experienced, like, a true kind of, like, downfall, collapse, rebirth, all that sort of stuff, it's almost like you don't see it with other people. You know, and that's why I think it's important, like, to work with other men or work with other people that you can relate with. Because when you actually like have have lived through it and understand it it's like you're speaking the language with someone else like you're speaking a language that's unique and only only kind of like you and the other people that have been through it can understand but um i don't know man as you were talking i was just thinking like god dude this type of you know whatever it is movement service you offer all that sort of stuff is is something that i think everybody in some way shape or form is like dying to experience you know and so literally uh, you put your finger i mean you hit the nail around the head because when i talk to you guys i'll tell them about you know if your heart is closed and so many men's hearts are closed to new opportunities new feelings new emotions and what happens in in a majority of the cases is men hearts literally attack them because the heart is not just a spiritual, emotional organ. It's a physical organ. And if it doesn't have an opportunity to express the feelings that we store there, there's no pressure relief valve. And so being able to tap into the emotions, tap into the feelings, and be able to express them, whether it's anger, joy, grief, whatever it happens, whatever it happens to be, that takes the pressure off of our heart, and it relieves us in some cases just tremendously and then we have the the energy that we've stored up in denial or repression or anger whatever we have that energy available to do creative stuff with to be joyful to, to laugh you know to really create and so it's unless a man's had that experience it's very difficult to convey to him how important that process is what would you say was like the the biggest thing that turned the corner for you my third divorce third divorce um Jesus. <laughs> i thought that i was a, a real cat's ass and uh, no woman had ever left me before and my third wife was the first woman who ever walked away from me and what it did was just destroy the facade of who i thought i was mm-hmm. and i went into an emotional crisis i was like i was in the tank for a few months and uh, that made me reach out for some kind of relief and i reached out to a psychotherapist and they put me into some kind of a psycho-spiritual program, and I began to peel away the, the layers. That wasn't the final piece for me, but it was a real spiritual crisis that opened my heart to uh, um, to a, a life that I didn't even know existed. Hmm. And that began my, my round-the-world search, where I spent time in India, you know, sitting at the foot of gurus in the Himalayas, studying with them. And really what I found out, Steve, was I was looking for affirmation from men. And I didn't have it. I was looking for the kind of love that I didn't get from my dad. And I found some pieces of it at the foot of a guru. And then I spent time in the Philippine jungles, studying with the faith healers, starting to take a look at the spiritual side of me and how I was looking at life so logically from my left brain and I and this whole intuitive part of me from the other side. Bert, you're there. Yeah, just amazingly powerful. So um, that was just a little bit of the process. You read it in my book, guys. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good. You, you got a book coming out and all that sort of stuff. But you're involved in such a multitude of things, it's kind of hard to uh, focus on 
one big highlight, but this book, like, I remember you talking about it and talking about really having the love for writing and that's the direction you wanted to go in. What, uh, what, what's like the main premise of the book? It's a spiritual journey. Uh, the title of the book is From Hot Rods to Jets to God, An Aviator's Search for Significance. And it just happens to be my journey because it was pilot, but uh, it could be any man's journey. And in the, in, the, in the book are lessons that I have learned throughout the journey. And there's some story in there as well. But it talks about my life growing up as a hot rodder in San Francisco and building the fastest car in the city and then looking for speed. And speed was my addiction. Speed was my drug. As long as I kept moving, I figured I was okay. But when I stopped moving, when my third wife started to leave, when she left me, I realized I was, I was dead in the water. I had to stop. And to stop meant I had to feel my feelings. To stop means I had to keep quit, quit, quit living on autopilot and, and just start taking a close look at myself and where I wanted my life to go. So, and then the book talks about, you know, um, my relationships. And then um, my wife now... Uh, was a, a, truly a miracle. I mean, I could not have met her, guys, had I not gone through all this shit. And uh, I don't advocate that guys have to go through this kind of stuff for for marriages, for divorces, to get to their ideal woman, quote unquote. But that was my process. And in the process, I discovered, you know, uh, my the spiritual side. For for me, that's God. And um, that changed the whole game. And I would not have met my wife had I not been. Um, transformed, if you will, by the process that I went through. So, I've got a question for you, Bert. Yeah, go ahead. Who is this? This is Gary. This is Gary in, in good old Fresno. Nice and hot. Hi, <laughs> um, Gary. Turn on. Uh, when you're talking about the, the part where you, you said, like, to open yourself up to feeling, the actual, like, feeling things, because, I, I don't know, everything so far that you've told me, it sounds exactly like where my life is. Like, I'm 34 years old, and I, I've been doing that same thing, and I've talked to you before, you know, and I told you how much I hate my job and stuff. Um, I actually broke my leg a couple of months ago, and, and I've been sitting at home in bed for two months just thinking, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I, I can't drive. I haven't been able to walk. I just started walking on crutches a couple of weeks ago. Um, so all that stuff kind of resonates with me. But my, my question is, is you had said that something about where you start, like, having to actually feel these emotions. And what would you say helped you when you started feeling these? How did you kind of get past the actual, like, not having all of these emotions buried? Especially like um, you open your to a lot of the negative stuff. Well, first of all, Gary, I, I don't see any emotion as negative, okay? It has negative connotations if you act it out. But our emotions were God-given. They were given to us for reasons. Now, if you say anger is a negative emotion, well, then you put a judgment, a value judgment on that, and you'll act out in a way that tries to ignore your anger or tries to deflect it. But if you just say, okay, I'm feeling this anger. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to be with it rather than try to act it out. It takes on a whole new character, okay? So to 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 disavow the power of our emotions uh, keeps our heart closed and keeps us from uh, just acknowledging that we're having a feeling. So I work with guys, you know, just say, you know, what do you, what's going on with you right now? If they're feeling anger, they're feeling sadness, like, just feel it. Just feel it. Don't try to get rid of it. Don't try to get past it. And as you begin to practice the experience of feeling your feelings without having to act out on it, then you begin to have some choices. Whereas if you're feeling angry about something, you don't have to act on it. 
acknowledging it, saying I've got it, you know, do something to do, to to um, dissipate the anger, except take, you know, and not take it out on somebody, has a lot to do with how you move through those feelings. But, but acknowledging them, being with them, and being okay with them. And I could imagine that you're going through a lot of that right now because most of us as guys try to move through stuff real quickly. And with your leg up around your neck, I'm sure that, you know, you're having a great opportunity, you know, a real breakthrough moment to experience some of the stuff that you might have moved past before. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am. It's, it's interesting. I've learned a lot about, you know, I, I'm one of those people who never would ask for help for anything. And, you know, for a, a month, I actually had to have help getting in and out of bed to go to the bathroom. And, you know, I, I really couldn't take a shower. I had to kind of give myself a sponge bath. And, you know, I, I definitely had to, to humble myself in a lot of ways, you know, by, by asking people for help. You know, I actually, once, this is kind of embarrassing, but I had to call my roommate once at 5 o'clock in the morning and have him come in here and he's he's actually disabled and i had to have him come in here and help me get out of bed so i go to the bathroom (laughs) wow and he was like why didn't you just call me earlier and i was like i've been awake for four hours trying to i've had to pee for four hours and (laughs) i I don't know what else to do i just had to call you man i'm really sorry and he was like yeah that's retarded why would you sit in bed for four hours you could have just called me two hours ago (laughs) yeah i was like well you know so yeah i I totally feel 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 what you mean it's um and again, yeah. it's, it's kind of a good thing. I, I uh, some, One of my friends just texted me and was like, man, you, it's been a couple of months. What the hell are you doing? And I was like, hey, you know, I, I can only do what I can do. Every day is a new day. Uh, you know, I just take it kind of one day at a time. I, I can't drive or anything. So I kind of fell off the face of the earth with some of my friends. But, you know, it's, it's kind of nice in a way, too. I, I get a break. That's, you know, you just really got to honor what you're going through, Gary. I mean, that's a re- you're at a really important uh, point in your life, at a crossroads in your life. And... Um, you know, it's. I know that you're dealing with it in a good way because it's just like you. You got to let go of the of the phony part of yourself that says I can handle all this. I can cut it. You know, I'm I'm good enough. All all this stuff. Not I'm good enough, but I mean, you know, I can I can take it all on myself. And you're at a crucial age, you know, where you could where you could go backwards and you know reinforce the old behaviors, or you can embrace the process you're being put through and really start to change through that. And that's what it sounds like you're doing. I really applaud you for that, man. You know, an important part of this too is having men around you who you can trust and who you can trust with your feelings and emotions and the part of you that wants to handle it all by yourself and having guys that understand that and just love you just the way you are and, um, you know, then you begin to trust them and say, hey, man, you know, I need your help, you know, and that's a tough thing for most of us to do because we've never been, we never had that kind of um, behavior model to us. It's always been the, I call it the John Wayne syndrome. You know, you had to tough it out, you know, you ride off into the sunset, you know, and, you know, it's just that kind of a, kind of a, I can, I can tough it out and do anything until, until it kills me. So, yeah. So, yeah, you're right where you need to be. Uh, it reminds me of a quote from Woody Allen. He, uh, he said, I'm at a crossroads in my life. One road leads to death and destruction. The other one leads to chaos and confusion. Lord, grant me the, the uh, wisdom to make the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I'll tell you this, like, because when you talk about the whole opening your heart thing, you re- you really, like, it's funny because if people ever get the chance to meet you, I, I, I mean, I guess it depends on the person, but you kind of get it right away. Like, you... you you, uh, this is going to sound awesome, but you, you can get the, the masculinity of Burt Bada. I mean, you, you, you can tell that you've lived life. But 
the thing is, is I think a lot of the guys who enter in my industry are are like young. They're looking for all this like crazy stuff, and they're speaking like a different language. And they're not talking about opening up their hearts. They're talking about, you know, uh, you know, being dominant and being alpha and all that sort of stuff. And and I think like one of the most interesting things about life, man. One of the most amazing things when like the, a true man is chiseled out of experience. He is going to, you know, he's going to be a humble person. He's going to be a humble person that is, you know, but but also has wisdom in things. And uh, I'll tell you this, man. You were talking about that stuff. It made me think about uh, a couple Fridays ago. I am in this fucked up, like, legal battle shit happening. And uh, it has to do with my family and all this sort of stuff. And I came out of my attorney's office and... I had like some really terrible news, man. Really terrible news, and uh, he he like lived like he his office is centered near like a highway and stuff, and there's a bridge and shit. And you know, I just walked out of there, I went to the bridge, and I felt so sad. I was so like upset, like true, like truly upset. But I sat there and I and I called a bunch of my friends and I wrote to a few of them. Like when I sat there, just taking it in, and I in, in the process of writing all that stuff, I was like, man. I'm so fucking happy because this is one of the first times where something's happened and I'm not like resentful. I'm not hateful. I'm not talking about self-pity or going like I should die or, you know, being all dramatic about all this stuff. But I just felt and it was like one of the first times I, I tr- this is a true story, man. I'm 34 years old, man. I'm almost 35. Um, actually, today I am one month away from turning 35. But, uh, dude. It was the, one of the first times since I was, like, a young kid, like, five or something, you know, where I mm-hmm. felt pure emotion. And I think that yeah. that's, like, one of the freedoms that a guy can have is to, to have that, you know, but, but not fall into the myths, you know, you know, or your personal myths or the reactions to you or any of that shit, you know, when it's – you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's, like, the beautiful thing. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Um. It, what some of the some of the most powerful stuff that comes up when I've worked with men in the past has been when a man begins to really start to feel his feelings and his emotions, and he's got joy and anger and sadness and grief and pain all in the same instant. And it's like that's when a guy has arrived. That's when a guy can feel all those feelings without getting sucked into one of them and drawing on them. And so that's, that sounds like exactly what, where you've arrived at in your life, Steve, and you're well ahead of the power curve, man, because that is true, and I don't want to use the term enlightenment, but that is true awareness so that you don't get sucked into saying, oh, my life sucks, I'm feeling this right now. Sure, I'm feeling this right now, but you also felt the joy that came out of, of the awareness and acknowledging that I'm feeling something, man, you know, and I'm in it, and... Uh, and this is where I'm at, you know, rather than try to change it or shift it or deny it. And that's really powerful, really powerful. You know, and talking about the young guys in the 30s, you know, and, and I know Gary's 30, I don't know about Jerry, but uh, some of those guys, it's, it's too soon for them. They don't want to do the work, and that's cool. But they're going to do the work eventually down the line, and I can guarantee it. Because life is not about kicking ass and taking names. It's not about being dominant. And the more a person, a guy tries to dominate, the more it's going to knock him out of whack. It's going to take him out of balance. So you've got to balance that side of him. You don't lead by domination. You don't lead by intimidation. You lead by example. You lead by gentleness. You, need, you lead by strength 
and you lead by walking a talk that you have developed and shaped over a period of time. And some guys get it sooner than others, uh, and some guys get it later. But dominant never, never, you know, it'll, you know, sure, if you're in the ring, dominant is, is, is what you want to achieve. But outside the ring, um, it doesn't hack it. So that's all I can say about dominance. I've tried to dominate before, especially as, you know, as a captain in the airline, I, I really, you know, okay, I'm, I'm the guy in charge, right? I'm the pilot in command. Well, that shit doesn't go very far at all uh, with trying to get cooperation from the flight attendants in back and the co-pilot. And so you really learn. I really learn really quick. And it ain't about domination. It's about cooperation. And I flew with guys, you know, World War II pilots when I was a co-pilot, and these guys were these guys were a giant pain in the ass because they had egos that, you know, were as tall as the, you know, Empire State Building. And these guys would dominate the cockpit, and I, at some point, if they were going to fly into the side of the mountain, I would say, fuck you guys, fly into the side of the mountain, just see who the hell's going to help you, you know? So it's like that kind of lack of cooperation just is an accident looking for a place to happen. And it's not just in the cockpit, it's, out, it's in life. So, yeah, anyway... Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I just wonder because you're talking about so much stuff. Like, what is it? Like, let's say, um, I mean, you, you work with a bunch of different dudes, but I'll tell you this, man. What if there's a guy that, uh, well, shit, man, you know, that's in his 30s, you know, uh, came out of a bad relationship, uh, you know, lost his job, doesn't have a lot of money, um, just keeps hitting walls. And, dude, I'll tell you this, you know, even though I told a good story about myself, there's also times where I am filled with anxiety and all this sort of stuff. But I notice that when I'm flooded with those things, it all attaches to, like, my anxiousness, my clutter, my disorganization of thoughts and emotions and all that sort of stuff. But, man, you know, there's a lot of people out there, like, in that time, you know, that transition period, you know, you, you hit 30, you're not feeling as young anymore. You're, you're, you know, it's like a different game plan if you're single or divorced with the ladies. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a different sense of responsibility with your professionality, all that sort of stuff. You know, a guy that is just kind of like wandering around in, in that sort of lostness. What's, what's the first thing that he can do? He can admit he's lost. If he doesn't admit he's lost, Steve, uh, there's not much hope. If he doesn't admit that he needs help, then he'll just try to continue on the hamster wheel, you know, and try to move faster or think his way out of it, uh, do something bigger and better or create a situation where he's making more money or get into another destructive relationship and he doesn't realize it's destructive. So there's all kinds of options. But the, the most important thing is to be aware that his life is not working at this point, you know, and just be and sit with that. And after he sits with that and acknowledges it, then to seek out some help, you know, what, and it might take many different forms. But, uh, yeah, and that's a, that's, pretty, that's a pretty bold step for guys that age because most guys think they just got to do more and make more money and, you know, and it'll, it'll fix it. So it takes a pretty aware guy to, be, uh, to, be, to acknowledge that he's in, a, he's in a stuck spot. Well, dude, man, I'll tell you this. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, man, if Gary and Jerry, you guys got something to say, like, speak now or forever hold your peace well not forever hold your peace but jump in guys yeah but I call it, what, what, what you're describing i call it uh, circling the toilet bowl <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's kind of how i i've honestly described my my the basic i'm 34 by the way not 30 but i basically um 
Uh, I got divorced when I was 27, and, and from about 29 to 32 or 3, that's kind of the way I, I described because of the kind of, you know, I, I had a, I have a child too, my daughter's 10, and I had like a big battle with her mom, uh, and that's kind of, it just left me stuck there, and I couldn't move past anything, I couldn't, I just had to wait for it to end, and I always used to describe it as just like circling the toilet bowl, waiting for one way or the other what the hell was going to happen to me, and it was really, you know, I felt like I had no control over it at all, and it was like, honestly, I wasted three years of my life doing this. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely, that resonates with me a lot, knowing, knowing that. Um, and then you said maybe something about like admitting that you need help. What maybe are some ways that we could, as a man, admit or, or who could we talk to about getting help? You know, like I know there's coaching and stuff, but, you know, a lot of this stuff costs money, which, you know, you don't have, quite frankly. Is there maybe yeah. like church or like what's what's maybe a couple of things that guys could do to, to maybe seek out some help from people and, and maybe not cost a lot of money? <laughs> Well, you know, if you've got any guys that you know they're in a men's group, um, that would be a good place to, to check out. You know, check it out to see if it's uh, if it's men that are you know that that, that you want to be hanging out with and be able to share with. Um, you know, check out a psychotherapist who might have uh, be running a men's group. Um, there might be men's groups advertised in the paper. Uh, you know, and just take a first step like that, and that was uh, be able to get good feedback. And if you got men who are emotionally intelligent in that group, that's gonna, you know, be you'll be able to open up, you'll be able to get some help there. And that'd be a good st- first step, really. Um, church, if you're, if you're involved in the church, um, I, you know, I haven't had a, I don't know, I, I guess I don't trust church pastoral counseling too much. I've never had it, but I, I take that back. I have had it. But um, in some cases, they will tend to fall back too much on spirituality or faith and um, religion and kind of not address the underlying issues that, that get to the emotions and the deep core values and, and stuff. Um, it's men who are you know, pretty religious or fall back on religion, not fall back on religion, but overemphasize religion. I call them, they're saved from the neck up. A lot of these guys, I've, that's why I started my Christian men's group up here. I saw a lot of guys who thought just because they accepted Christ into their life and they were walking this out, that everything was hunky-dory. But what I found out, they were sitting on a ton of unresolved emotions, anger, fear, rage, you know, stuff like that. And it was just holding them back. And, uh, you know, it's just like after working with so many men, I can read a guy like a book. I can just look at him and tell in his eyes, tell in his face, and I can kind of look into his heart and see whether he's there or he needs help or whatever. And so this is the kind of thing that you develop after a while. You begin to get emotionally intelligent, and uh, um, then that not only do you save your own butt, but you're able to then be available to other people, men and women, to help them. So these... I would start with that, you know, and if you can't find a good men's group, then check out the pastoral counseling at the church or uh, just kind of start fishing around. And uh, But, you know, uh, check it out from an intuitive gut place, not just because, it, you know, it looks like a group, but just because, you know, if, if it feels right to you, that's probably a good idea that you're in the right place. So uh, use your head and your heart is what I guess what I'm trying to say. You know, man, I think it's what's cool about that is that, look, dude, 
a men's group is one of the best thing. Like I, you know, I I'm a part of groups where I seek out support and all that stuff, and you know that they're, they're free. And I I really tell people the best things about those situations is it's when you can stay in the solution that like I can see a bunch of people like congregating or whatever and and kind of just complaining and bitching but when you're there for like a, a primary purpose one where you're like you know what you know I whatever it might be like I believe in living the best life and that's the purpose of this group and uh man some amazing stuff happens like amazing uh-huh. stuff you know, and it could be small, it could be big, it could be a lot of things. But, uh, you know, if it's held together by a solution, that's what people don't get, man. I mean, that's that's spirituality right there, you know, in yeah. my opinion, you know. Yeah, and group work is, is really cool. I love group work because you get a chance to see, you know, in our case, you get a chance to see other men. And some guys will come into a group saying, man, my life is really fucked up. And then they take a look around and guys start sharing it. They don't feel so bad because a few other guys are more fucked up than they are. So that, that just elevates their hope right there. So uh, there's a lot of that healing that goes on in a group. And you just learn so much from other men and uh, what they've been through and being able to speak into each other's lives. Uh, it's, it's important stuff. So it would be a good way to start. Yeah, 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 it, just a inexpensive, like, awesome thing. You know, man, that's one of the things which is such a bummer about uh, the different industries of, like, self-help or, you know, mine being the seduction industry, all that sort of stuff, is that we we look at a lot of programs, and, you know, they're worth it. You know, like, I, I would sit here and say that, like, you know, hiring a good coach or a good person to run stuff by and work with and really get deep with is great but the sad truth about it is is there's a lot of people who aren't and we overlook you know the the free things that are there i think you know when it really comes down to it you can have man i did this shit like you can have a great experience with somebody that's a stranger if you're willing to put yourself out there man i'll tell you this this is kind of a weird thing to say but about four years ago i remember my buddy, uh, this guy who was kind of, he was mentoring me on a lot of this stuff. Um, he was saying, he said, look, you know, you're in a fucked up spot. You're a, a master pickup artist guy. You know, why don't you just start telling everybody how you feel? Like if you want to, you, you, if you're feeling self-pity, if you're feeling anger, if you're feeling like you want to kill yourself or whatever, you need to start learning how to say that to people and just in, in running them down and seeing that the human experience is so important. You know, yeah. and I did that shit. When I filmed, uh, there's this product that was put out, Me has Infield Insider. Um, it was four years ago, man. I remember it was in September of whatever it was four years ago, 2008. <laughs> but it was in September of 2008. And, uh, dude, I was doing that. And I remember the, the guys there being like really critical of me. And, uh, plus, you know, I had like a different style or whatever. It's all this pickup artist bullshit, but dude, I I mean, I took that seriously. I took that seriously and I could sit here and, you know, say, well, I created great products out of it, or, you know, I created new systems of social dynamics out of it, which are true, but you know what I really got out of it? It doesn't matter about, you know, some monetary or measurable thing. What matters is that I realized the lesson that in every moment, you know, like, like for instance, uh, you know, I'm not like a really religious person, but there's, there's a saying where people say, you know, God is everything or God is nothing. And that means that you could look at a desk 
And it's just as spiritual when, you know, the sun comes down and a ray hits the river and you see it reflecting off the water and all this shit. You know, that in every moment, every moment is equal. Every moment is equally good, bad, and like every emotion is, is equally good and bad and all that sort of stuff. But we have to be in the place where we can see it, you know, which you might call spirituality or, or whatever. But I think that that's the thing that people are missing, that in every moment, man, you can find beauty. And fuck, dude, I'll tell you this, like, Gary, man, it, like, I, I've had good and bad moments where I've been in, like, fuck situations, and uh, even recently. And, you know, if one moment of that I can find some peace, then that's awesome, man. That's, that's fucking one of the most brilliant things in the world, because when I was a kid... Man, I don't know if you ever had this, Bert, or, or Gary, or Jerry. Man, when I was a kid, I used to sit out. There used to be this, like, little field, and I'd sit there with my friends, and I'd, we'd talk about, like, man, when we get older, this is what I want to do. I want to work, and I want to sit out and look at the stars and talk with my friends and yada, yada, yada. And, man, we take that shit for granted. And every moment of my life when I can have that now, like a moment of clarity, you know, a moment of just peace, it's like, shit, dude, I need to value that. You know, in order to really get what you want, you have to first value what you have. But, uh, I don't know. What what the fuck do you guys got to say? Gary, Jerry? Jerry, you've been quiet the whole time. What the fuck? Nah, oh, man. It's, he's uh, actually bringing on a lot of points that I've went over in my podcast. So I've just been uh, soaking in some of this information. I think it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, a lot of people do not reach out for help when they when they really should be. Like they'd rather sit there and fail and stay in their rut instead of admitting that they have a problem and seeking, uh, you know, others who can help them better. Yeah. No, man. Yeah, yeah just uh, just acknowledging that, man, I, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't run my life anymore the way I've been running it. And uh, sometimes reaching out comes out of desperation, you know, but no matter how, where it comes out of, it's good if you just, if you do reach out. It's just... So much relief, you know. Uh, it's like the taking the weight of the world off your shoulders when you can, when you can just cut loose and share share it with somebody. It's got to be the right person, you know. I mean, you just don't want to stop somebody on the street. But uh, <laughs> I've yeah, done that. <laughs> yeah, probably locked up. You know, call the cops on you or something. But you know, you got to find the right people who are compassionate and, in, in many cases, in the same place you are in or have been through it. And there's nothing like having a friend who's been through similar stuff that you have because they can really relate to that so and it's yeah, interesting it's pretty similar to the uh the cliche that men don't like to ask for directions exactly yeah yeah exactly i tell you when i was flying airplanes i would ask for directions all the time because you know it's like i've seen guys get in such trouble by not asking for directions you know taxiing their plane out getting ready to take off at nighttime. the taxiways aren't lit really well i'd be on the on the radio talking to the controller i said hey man give us you know progressive taxi instructions and other guys you know they'd go out there and wander around i'd be flying with them they wander around get lost you know take the wrong taxiway almost taxi under the active runway and i said shit why don't you ask for directions man now nah, i got it covered that's okay we'll find it you know, and that's just a look. That's another way of getting killed. So, and that's you know, you could act it out in, in aviation, and it has serious consequences. And it got, it's got serious consequences also, but not quite life-threatening in you know in the life outside of uh, 
outside of the aviation world. But I just saw it acted out so many times there, and it was so senseless, you know. So you hit the nail on the head for sure, guy. Yeah, you actually talk about something which is interesting. There's there's a saying that uh, people will say in like recovery circles that change doesn't happen from inspiration; it happens from desperation. And you know, yeah. I th- I think it can, can ha- kind of happen from both. But man, desperation can like it it reveals so much to you. And there's also another thing they always say like the first principle is not to surrender; it's actually to abstain. And I think what people got to realize, man, is the shit that's fucking them up in their life. You know, it could be multiple things, but you pick one, and you gotta you gotta stop it, man. You gotta put a halt to those things because if you don't, it's just gonna keep repeating. Like for instance, you know, if I humble myself, if I surrender to something, if I go, you know what, okay, I'm gonna change or or whatever, but I keep doing the things which keep me activated in that spot. Like uh, one of the best examples was like I was in Barcelona awesome time amazing time it was like such a freeing moment in my life i mean dude i i'm telling you when i write my book bird <laughs> this is like one of the craziest times of my life right now there's there's so much fucked up shit happening it's it's unreal but it, it was like one of the clearest times when i was there in barcelona and even like there were times before that and after that but dude the euro cup is happening spain is playing italy I'm in Barcelona at the time. The bars are packed. Like, I'm there, and it starts raining. And it's in the summer. It's not supposed to be raining. I'm on my way to the airport right after this, so I have all my bags. Everything gets wet. Everything gets fucked up. Like, all the shit that I've written, my computer, like, my clothes. Anyway, and it sucked. And I was sitting there, you know, and it pisses you off. It makes you mad. It's impossible to, well, I don't want to say it's impossible, but in my moment, in that state of being, it was hard for me to be happy, even though there's so much crazy, awesome shit happening. I mean, Spain won. It was partying in the streets, dude. They, yeah. they dominated them. And, like, you know, it's Europe. It's soccer. People are going crazy. So I had to yeah. get out of there, man. I had to get out of there. I had to go to the airport. I had to get my clothes dry. I had to, uh, to, to seek a point where I just had to get it, get it to stop. You know, I had to get the craziness to stop. And once I could do that, then it was a time where I could actually really take in the full, uh, you know, the magnitude benefit or whatever, the full reset to that surrender. You know, and I think a lot of people don't realize there's like something in their life which is bleeding them, you know, fucking them up, just uh, taking them, just completely ravaging them. And yet they keep active in it, whether that's a relationship you know, whether that's, uh, you know, some form of addiction, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever, um, gambling. But there's something that so many times is in the way of us that we just don't see. And that, you know, it's like, it's always the best. You know, sometimes we're just so fucked up, we can't even see it. You yeah. Know? And you hit on something really important, Steve, especially now in in the world that we're living in right now, we've got economic pressures on us. We've got spiritual pressures on us. We've got fear coming at us from all different directions. You know, people are losing their homes. Uh, they can't find jobs. And so people are going crazy in the process. And it's like we need to really recognize that we're being influenced by all these factors and really take into account, am I going to react to them or am I going to respond to them? And I can, when I go out in the freeway, I'll jump on the freeway, either on the motorbike or in the car, and I kind of take the temperature of what's going on. And if it's feeling real crazy, 
I'll stay in the slow lane or the middle lane. If it feels safe, I'll go back. I'll go in the HOV lane. So it's like we do. If we can do that with our life, really take the temperature of our life and see. Uh, how things are going around us, and if it's really whacked out, and if it's really crazed around us, don't buy into that. Just back off. You know, mm. drop into a place where where we recognize that, and just take a few deep breaths and say, "I'm not going to buy into this shit, man. It's going to drive me crazy." And so you can tap. You can just back out of that craziness. Um, and it sounds exactly like what you did, you know, and that is, that is a very cool way to do it because then what you do is in spiritual circles, you become the witness. You are like watching yourself from the, over your left shoulder or your right shoulder, and you're watching yourself either react to or not react to the situations around you, and you're witnessing your life. So there's a part of you that can step outside of you and see yourself from another perspective, and that is a very powerful technique. And over the years, I've cultivated that. I don't always do it, but you can get to the place where you can say, okay, this is not me, man. You know, I'll be, I'm going to watch myself, see how I react to this. And it's a pretty meditative state. Um, and it's a very powerful tool, technique, to keep you from getting sucked into the world around you. Yeah, yeah. No, man, that's freaking cool. Cool. I think a lot of this is from maybe like, you know, like, I don't know, it's just Americans, probably everyone in most of the world now. But, you know, we don't really have any kind of like rite of passage in order to become a, a, an official grown up in life. You know, I, I you know, like, I didn't have a dad. My dad was disappeared. He was gone. I, you know, my mom did everything for me. I, I was kind of spoiled as a kid. And then one day I got married and it was like, I looked up and I was like, what in the fuck did I, what did I sign up for? I, I didn't sign up for this. How, how did this happen to me? Uh, yeah. Do you think that a lot of that is just, you know, like, I wish there was something that we could all do that would be like some kind of rite of passage for people, you, you know? Uh, there is. Kind of it's Gary. I can recommend a, 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 a program I went through 20 years ago, and it changed my life. It was, uh, it's a program called the New Warrior Training. I got linked to getting ready to go through that too, uh, Steve. Great. And it is a very, it's the most powerful adult men's rite of passage in the world on the planet today. And about 50,000 men have gone through this training. And it will it will grow you up in a weekend, and it, then after the weekend is over, you'll be sitting in a circle with men uh, every week or every two weeks afterwards, putting into operation the principles that you learned in the weekend. I would highly recommend it for any man. If you're interested, Gary, I'm sure there's, uh, and Jerry, there's, there's, Chicago's a big center for uh, that, that work, and I know that there's guys in Fresno that are in that work, so check it out, guys. It's really a very powerful, um, very supportive, very nurturing program. Uh, you'll be confronted with uh, all your shit in the weekend, and uh, you will be able to move through it, if you so choose, in a way that you never would be able to normally. I've, I've, uh, I've counseled guys when I had my psychotherapy practice, and I get to a point where the guys say, okay, man, you got to go through the new warrior training. It's, you know, we're not getting anywhere. And these guys go through the training, and it was like 10 years of therapy in one weekend. And, okay, and they come back and say, hey, I don't, I don't need you anymore, Bert. See you later. So it's, it's that powerful. So I highly recommend it, guys. Look it up on, uh, on the Internet. It's MKP. MKP standing for MankindProject.org. And it is, I used to be a certified leader in that training, in that work, and it is very powerful stuff.
And so, like, what do you say, you know, look, obviously that's, like, a really accessible thing, but, um, I, you know, I, I see you, Bert, as a guy who's grown up, you know, multiple times throughout your life. Like, what are some of the other, like, processes that you went through, you know, that, that uh, you know, really kind of gave you that sort of rite, rite of passage that made you... That was the biggest one, Steve. That was the biggest one. Really? And I went through it just as I was leaving my flying career. And uh, it was so powerful that I stopped everything that I was doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I started doing apprenticing in this work. And I was apprenticing around the world. I would be a staff man for these trainings around the world. And I slowly started working my way up the, the leadership uh, ladder. And it, it gave me a community of men that loved me, supported me, challenged me. And I started a, a men's community in St. Louis, Missouri. And then I started another one in Taos, New Mexico. So wow. it is very, very good work. And the work will rub off in all parts of your life. Your relationship with women will be different. Uh, obviously, your relationship with yourself will be very different. Uh, you might want to clean up your your uh, your relationships with uh, mom and dad or siblings or whatever. And you have the tools to be able to do that. You have the authenticity. You have the self-awareness. You have the strength, the internal strength to be able to do that. And that, that work gives you the tools. Uh, obviously, every man is different. But generally speaking, you really grow up quickly. And it is a process that we... Uh, that we have sidestepped in our in our culture. We don't we don't get initiated as men, and so we continue to walk out this juvenile way of looking at life. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, it gets us in trouble. So it's a good program. So what? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, what I want to know is like, what's next on the agenda for uh, you know for you? What's what's happening in your life? Where do you where do you see it going? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world, and my coaching practice is next on the list, and I am going to be finishing up the book, and I'm doing an online program um, that is going to be generating some revenue, and I'm a health coach. Um, I'm doing some work with uh, some really, really cool health products, so that's where I'm at. I like to keep my life uh, balanced in all aspects, so... I'm, I'm pro in the process of creating some revenue that will replace the buyout money that I've got from my last company, uh, and I'm also taking my health to a whole new level. And uh, at my age, you know, um, it's important that I pay attention to my health, and so I found these products that uh, are pretty freaking amazing, and um, I'm using them. My wife and I are using them, and so... I think uh, hope that answered your question, Steve. And, so that uh, that's that's when you were in Dallas flaking on me, huh? <laughs> exactly. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, I was in conference until nine nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night. So I really apologize. But no, no, you're your girlfriend, so you were cool. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. let me ask you about that, just because like there's a couple things here. First off, how old are you? I totally forget. I know we've talked about it. Me? Yeah. I'm old as dirt. I'm seventy three. Really, Jesus, man! You're yeah, in, you're in great shape. Oh, I, look, I look great. Yeah, yeah. I feel great. No, you. Yeah. you look. Wow, you look. God, man, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's a. Uh, I attribute it to good genes, uh, a good heart that's that's learned how to open, um, taking care of myself physically, emotionally, exercise, 
taking supplements all my life. The product that I'm using now is an amazing product. And I'll give it a little pitch here. It's a DNA assessment. You take a swab of your cheek, you send it into our company, they analyze it, and they take a look at 12 components of your DNA, 12 major components, 12 major genes that, that have a major effect on, your, on all aspects of your body and your health. And what they do then is custom tailor nutritional supplements specifically for what they find in your DNA. And it's like, um, at my age, I had some back problems. I had some L4 and L5 disc problems. I was bent over, you know, humping along. And I had some non-surgical spinal decompression by a chiropractor buddy of mine. That helped. I started taking these products, and what happened, the only way I can figure it out is my body, my, my vertebrae started getting the nutrition that it lacked before, and I'm just walking like a champ, man. I feel like a 16-year-old. Yeah, I remember... So, I remember you would go to the chiropractor. We'd have our calls on Tuesdays, and, and a lot of times you'd have to cancel and stuff and just because yeah. you were so committed, you know, to doing that work. That's cool. Oh, yeah. It was, it was it cost me a ton of money. That's why I was committed, Steve. <laughs> so, I was committed to my health as well. And it, it that and then, and then these products uh, just took it to a whole other level. So I'm pumped about that. And, uh, um, yeah, so I'm doing these various things, and... Tying them all together, basically, they all seem they they all taking me in, in the same direction. So yeah, yeah. Like one thing that I want to know is that in that span of time, because I just know being thirty four, you know, my brain changed. And then when I work with other guys, I I you know, you think it's all just yourself. You're like, well, when I was fifteen, I went through a change. When I was twenty something, I went through a change. When I was twenty eight, I went through a change. When I was thirty, I went through a change. You know, but the more I work with guys, the more I see a consistency. You know, we're not all the same age, but really, man, when guys who turn 30, there's a big change. Guys from, like, 33 to 36 or so, there's also another big change. Like, for instance, some of the most successful business owners I know, I mean, they didn't get successful until later on in in uh, in their age. You know, one of the wealthiest guys, he has one of the most dynamic businesses that I know, he went broke so many times. Oh, and, yeah. You know, yeah. and he said it wasn't until he was like 32 or 33, he was just like down and out. He, he lives in San Francisco, down and out, just saying, fuck it. His wife leaves him. Um, and then he joined the Zen Center, and he said, man, I started meditating. I just said, forget it to everything, started meditating. And he started one of the, you know, he has multiple tech companies. In fact, we probably have seen him, well, I've seen him speak, but you've probably seen him speak because he's uh, one of Brian Franklin's guys. Um, but, uh, dude, that guy, I mean, that guy has done so much, you know, like, like, but that's what I realized, you know, this consistency of men making different changes at different ages in their lives. What would you say is like, I don't know, you know, for a guy that's like in his early twenties, let's say under 25, what would you, you know, what do you see with guys like that, that they should focus on? Um, and then I'll go through the rest of the ages. <laughs> um, it should focus on developing developing um, their skill set, focusing on what they what they really want to do with their life, <clears throat> pursuing it with their hundred percent of their ability, um, really working hard at creating a. Uh, a good career for themselves 
and starting to balance their life out and starting to plan for the future. You know, save money, buy property, whatever it is, really start to think forward if that's something that works for them. And if they're adventurers, then, you know, still, you know, just follow their passion, follow their heart, you know. They may not be, they may not be the type of guy that wants to settle down and have a home with a picket fence or anything. I just say focus on your career at that stage of the game. And that's what that's what usually, you know, stages of a man's life are about anyway. Then they get into their 30s, you know, if you're going to ask me questions about 30s, then it's kind of like they're really striving. They might have gone through a divorce by that time. They might have lost a ton of money. And so they're taking a look at their life in 30s, you know. Is it, is it panning out the way I wanted it to? Uh, in their 40s, you know, then life is up for grabs in their 40s. Um, you know, uh, they realize that, you know, maybe that it isn't, there again, it may be not panning out the way it is, is the way it's supposed to. And these are all generalizations, Steve. But sure, of course. Each, each stage of their life, you know, has a has an important component to it. And I would say, you know, I'd recommend for guys to, to take a month off, you know, at some point during those those periods of their life to just kind of reflect and see where they're at and see if their game plan is working out, you know, and tweak it if it's not, you know. But just take the time out of their life to look back on it and see if they're at where they want to be. So, Yeah, I, uh, I actually have a question for you about uh, relationships and stuff just because you've had – You've had a plethora of them, and you've worked with so many guys who've had, like, odd relationships. Like, one of the things that happened with me, um, I was just telling, I was telling this girl I work with, Melissa, she's actually really good, she's a, she's a coach as well, and I was telling her that before I started in the seduction community, I'd only had sex with 13 people, and, you know, like, three of those people were in, like, one event, it was kind of crazy, but, uh, and she was like, man, that's so little for somebody as crazy as you. And I'm like, man, I wasn't always like this. But when I went from, like, 28 to 30, 31, I was pretty promiscuous, man. And after that, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I still still like my lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. But I slowed way down and started really, like, valuing different types of encounters with women, you know, like having a relationship and, and having, like, your emotional support and all that sort of stuff. And then every once in a while, you know, uh, going around and getting getting some action and, you know, high-fiving your buddies and all that sort of stuff. But it's interesting, man. I'm at a point now where, you know, I, like, and it's so, it's one of those things that I bounce around in my brain. I'm like, man, is you know, I wonder where it comes from, just out of sheer curiosity. You know, I'm going with it, but I'm like, man, I don't really care that much about uh, about hooking up with a ton of chicks or anything like that. I, I really don't care about it at all. Like, if I see an attractive woman, you know, your head turns. But, like, I, I just want, like, some sort of stability and, you know, some sort of, like, intimacy that's happening. And that, to me, value I value much more than, uh, you know, the ability to go out and, and – uh, you know, get a bunch of ass or, or even the ability to have multiple women. It's like, it's like my scale of what I find attractive and what I want in terms of relationship is totally changed, you know? Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder personally, I'm like, man, is this what other guys my age feel? Or is this just like, you know, a phase in my development or, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think I think there there are common denominators in in men's lives, and you are admitting 
uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you're admitting that you are experiencing this, and it's a, it's like a natural, it's a natural law. You know, we were designed to, to partner up with, with another person. In our case, you know, hopefully it's women. But if not, you know, uh, but, you know, we're designed to partner up with people uh, to and live life, you know, together. So you're acknowledging that. And um, the guys who don't acknowledge that are kind of paving a, a course for themselves. It can be pretty painful if they don't really acknowledge that. Or they may not have been cut out to be in, in relationship. They may end up being single for the rest of their life. But it's a pretty lonely life when you're single, you know. And um, But, yeah, I, I think you're just you're, you're right at the place where you need to be, Steve. And you're acknowledging it. And you, do, you just can't go on, you know, um, searching for the next quest, you know. And um, that's... It's not very fulfilling, you know, when we keep knocking off uh, different women and, you know, keep moving through life. So uh, it's, you're, yeah, I think you're right where you need to be. So that's it. Yeah. I also think, it, I'm the same age as Steve, but I, I think, and I'm kind of in the same boat, um, and I think a lot of it, even when I find myself trying to be like, you know, like, man, I just need to get laid. Sometimes, I mean, as a guy, you do that, but ultimately I think that's just to make myself, to make me feel better about myself too, you know, to like, to get some validation from something. Yeah. Because what I ultimately want is, same, you know, same, I really would want a connection with someone more than anything else. Um, and when you meet that kind of person, it, it's it's incredible. And, you know, but it's it's rare. But I guess, you, you know, the more people you meet, obviously, the, the more times that can happen. But it's so awesome when it happens that it's, you know, it's like it's what you live for now. Yeah, you know, so I, important. That's why that's why the work that we're talking about, Gary, is so important is that, you know, if we don't really open ourselves up, if our heart doesn't continue to expand and we don't know how uh, relationships work and we're not able to be intimate, we're not able to be vulnerable, we're not able to be, um, you know, to express uh, our love in a deep way, we're just going to continue to recycle the same old crappy relationships again. So it behooves us, it's, it's imperative that we really learn about ourselves before jumping into another relationship because it's uh, it can be expensive, if nothing else, and uh, expensive emotionally as well as financially. So it's, yeah, it's just a... It's um, it's just very very important to to be aware of who we are and who we're bringing into a relationship. Get the better. It's like there's a there's kind of a it's almost a law of attraction. Although I don't like that I don't like that uh, description of things. It's like as we become more conscious about who we are, more authentic, more open, more vulnerable, we begin to attract people, women in our case who are like that as well and like attracts like in many cases and so when you're if you're going through a, you know kind of evaluating relationships or you know you're checking off the, the numbers as you go through relationships you begin to realize that you know women you begin to set up a criteria that women, are, if they don't meet it, you just move on, you know? And that's the fallacy about jumping into the sack, in my in my belief system. The fallacy about jumping into the sack is you're exchanging, uh, you know, the most intimate part of you uh, with another person that that gets very convoluted very quick, and you lose your ability to make discerning 
judgment calls about that, whether that person, that woman in this case, is is a has a potential for a lifetime partner. So, you know, I don't know if I'm flying in the face of your work or not, Steve, but that's just what I believe. <laughs> well, no, you no, know, man. What here, here's what I think. I mean, like number one, you brought up something really interesting. You said being a single guy can be really lonely, and man. You know, it's so funny. This guy emailed me. He said, uh, and he's a total player. The guy's a pimp, man. The guy's always getting women. He's a young dude, and he said, you know, I've been following your stuff and been following, you know, some other guys who work in the industry who are, you know, real good at, like, the whole getting laid thing. And he goes, man, I kind of get what you're saying with the whole sexual life thing because I've done all this stuff, and it's been great. You know, I've had sex with models. I've had da-da-da-da. I've been a promoter, and the hottest girls in my town and all that stuff. And I, I know him personally, and it's true. You know, and he's like, but, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, now I'm moving into a career and all this stuff, and, man, I just have, like, a bunch of cool stories. And I want to move towards something more. And, you know, he's just kind of voicing this. He didn't really – it was just kind of an, a cool thing to see because, in my mind, that shows a transition. But, you know – I, I also think, like, I think, you know, there's no rules around sexuality and there's no rules around relationships. And it is kind of what what anybody thinks, you know. But what is so interesting, like, a lot of the times in the whole seduction industry, they'll say, like, you know, it's our evolutionary path, you know, to basically fuck a bunch of chicks and not give a shit. But which, you know, okay, that could be true. I definitely think there's a difference between you know, what, what men want and what women may have urges to. And, you know, women grow out of that too and all that sort of stuff. But we also, as human beings, bind ourselves to a culture. You know, we as human beings, we follow what our culture gives us. You know, we might be a little rebellious, but for the most part, I mean, I think that is an evolutionary trait to do what, uh, you know, the other people around you are doing. And I think that that's not taken into account. And I think that there's like this weird rebellion that men have but there's no real leader or no real guiding voice of what masculinity is supposed to be or what uh you know being a a man is supposed to be and we just get lost in it man in the biggest ways it's just really not always the best thing (laughs) you know yeah see i believe i i disagree with you on the on the the natural—I forget what you said. Well, whatever. The evolutionary, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not that so much. As I believe there's a natural spiritual order of things, and um, to, to end up in the sack with a lot of women is contrary to a natural law of—and I don't think this is religious. I think this is basic to mankind. Um, I don't know how polygamy works. Uh, all I know is that. The few experiments that I've that I've heard about, not seen, but heard about, end up blowing up in people's faces, you know, because it's just not natural to to have a number of different partners. And I don't know how the Mormons pulled it off in the old days, but I mean, I'm just talking about experiments and communes and things like that. Women get jealous, they get pissed off, and the relationship is not is, is so far from harmonious because it violates a natural order of things. And I just believe, that's how I believe. I don't know, you know, that uh, um, teaching, teaching um, how to have multiple sexual partners, not, not that you do that, but I'm just saying if people do that, it, it's, 
it puts them further down the evolutionary scale than further up, as far as I'm concerned. Because it's like when we learn to really express ourselves and to, to acknowledge our emotions and open our heart, to be intimate with one person is the deepest love, that I believe, that you can possibly have. And as you begin to, to continue to let go of the facade of who we are and begin to open up so that other person knows you emotionally and you know her emotionally, I think that's the deepest kind of love that we can possibly experience. And that, to me, is freedom. Um, you know, it's the old freedom thing where, like, freedom, so some people think, is being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, and however you want to do it. I don't believe that's freedom. I believe that discipline creates freedom. Because it, what it does is empowers you in a way that just being able to do what you want to do doesn't. I don't know if that makes any sense, guys, but that's just what I believe. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know, man. I think, I, I really think that, in my opinion, I don't put, like, a limit on what people's relationships should be. Not that I'm saying, like, you know, people should be having, you know, one, uh, what, what I'm saying is, you know, people can't have one type of relationship. You know, there's got to be an openness, I really feel, to to what people are putting out there. Because, you know, I mean, a, a, a culture can adapt and change and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I totally agree with you, Bert, that in our culture... Like, man, that shit doesn't fly. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's no, like, I'll, I'll absolutely say this, man. There is no uh, place in our culture for, you know, a, a really good outlet for, you know, multiple, not, not just multiple sex partners, but multiple relationships happening at one time. It's just such a difficult, like, it's such a why would you do so why would you cause that problem for yourself you know and i and i i would you know say like guys you know you're only going to learn from experience you know i encourage you to try it you know it's an interesting thing it it taught me a lot about you know uh women and my relationships and the, my problems that i'd repeat you know four times in the same week you know with four different women you know so it it is like an interesting thing that you you uh you learn about and uh dude man i've still done stuff like that recently it just happens a little bit less but um the thing is is that i feel that you know i i don't i don't feel that i can put a title or a i can't limit i can't put stuff in a box too much relationship wise just because yeah. you know humanity can get so creative and, and nuts and you know cultures can do some weird shit man and you know who's to say one is happy and the other isn't but um but no, man. No, because other cultures have much looser mores, you know, much looser restrictions on, you know, like say some of the Pacific Islander cultures. I mean, they have they have sex with a lot of different people, and they don't seem to have any problem with it, you know. But our culture is puritanical, came from you know, inherited from England, which is probably one of the most upside countries in the world in in some sense, and so we've inherited that part of our culture that prohibits that kind of activity. But I, I, I believe that there's another a higher spiritual component to that. So that's yeah. just how I... Well, dude, yeah. there's no doubt. I mean, what I, what I always say with the whole sexual life thing is that sex is one of the highest forms of communication. I mean, and that's not to say that just normal socializing is bad. Normal socializing has, like, that's, has an amazing effect as well. But sex is just like... It, it it's communicating in a different way and in a language we don't speak and when you do that with somebody else and it doesn't even have to be sexual you know but you know that is definitely a part of it but when you're intimate with somebody you know on that that type of level that one person it it influences you and changes you and you ultimately 
you know, become that, an expression of that person, and, and they become an expression of you, and it's fucking, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, man, and people, you know, to, what I'd say, you know, I think everybody should go out there and experiment and have whatever sex lives they want, and there's nothing wrong with wanting that, you know, the problem is that a lot of people think there is something wrong with wanting that, but the thing is, is that, man, if people are selling their sex lives short, you know, by just wanting, like, this weird fantasy, you know, and not actually realizing the awesome potential of what they could have with another person, man, they're they're so selling themselves short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, like you said, that's the highest form of union uh, that two people can have. And, you know, it's no wonder that, you know, when two people really connect on the sexual level and have an intercourse, that that's probably the closest you'll ever get to, if you believe in God, that you'll ever get to God on this planet. You know, I and it's agree. like... <laughs> It's like, you know, why do you say, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, some woman's coming, you know, and so it's like, you know, that's that's the ultimate, you know, <laughs> as far as if we can connect on a deep level with that person in that act, it's uh, it's, it's very powerful. So, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And look, man, with powers greater than yourself, if you're not humble, you will be humiliated. That's that's what I exactly. Mean, you know? So, guys, how you doing? Gary, Jerry, still still awake? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm. This stuff is all kind of me in a nutshell. It's kind of funny in a way. Like you say, I don't really believe in that whole law of attraction thing either. But it's just kind of funny that when you start listening for certain things that you kind of already are in tune with, you notice that they keep coming up. Yeah. Exactly. As far as the you know the multiple relationship thing, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with you both. I see Steve's point of view where it's like you know try and experience things. Um, I'm noticing a, a big trend right now that I kind of have noticed that I keep attracting the same kind of person over and over again. Mm. That kind of person is married or has a boyfriend that they live with. So, um, and for a long time, I was kind of okay with that thing, but now it's kind of, I, I'm really not. I, I don't know. So, I keep meeting these people and I like them, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, by the way, I've had this boyfriend that I've lived with for five years, and, you know, I can't really talk to you all the time. Da, 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 so, um, yeah. you know, it's interesting that you say that stuff. And I've, I've been kind of trying to think about what I do. To, to make that come around, you know, to, to keep happening. And, you know, a lot of it, maybe I, I kind of have a representative, you know, like my friends kind of know me as a, as a little bit of a man whore, so that probably doesn't help. But, you know, I'm, there, I'm, I'm more than a piece of meat, <laughs> you know, uh, but. And that's what good coaching does too, uh, Jerry. Uh, is that Gary or Jerry? Gary. Yeah, it's Gary. Yeah. yeah. Gary. Um, and that's what good coaching does too, is you can dig underneath why, the, the causes and the why you are attracting those kind of uh, those kind of women in your life. And uh, if you really don't get down to the real core cause, the core reason, you continue to repeat that behavior. Uh, there might be something in your past, something in your you know from your parents or whatever it is you picked up that. Uh, and that's really, you know, if you're, if you're attracting women who are attached already, that's a sign of a self-sabotage thing. You know, you, you can't go far with those kind of relationships. So that's not working too well for you. So there's, there's all kinds of ways to explore that, why that, that happens. There's, there's definite reasons why that happens. And when you, when you bring them to light in a coaching relationship, you can find out how to, how to take a look at it, how to recognize it, and how to change it. So it's important, you know, and you can probably do that to some degree in a, in a good uh, men's group. So, 
Look at that, Fresno Men's Group. There you go. I was looking. I, I kind of was looking on the M. What is it? The MKP. Did you check out the MKP? Yeah, it said they kind of. Well, Fresno's the weird thing, so I just have to kind of look through everything. But it, it it's, looks like it's separated into Northern California and Southern California. And yeah. Fresno is, of course, in the exact middle. So I, I never know which one it is. So I was kind of perusing through the NorCal one. Um, yeah. Trees. Yeah. We're part of the NorCal. Um, I've I've stepped out of leadership in that group, but I'm because I'm concentrating more on my Christian men's group. But um, I still have a lot of buddies that are doing work in in the MKP in the New Warrior. It's it's a good group, good group. Yeah, Fresno doesn't have much by way of, of, of any kind of productive groups. I I actually like on that meetup.com. I run a group. It's like a confidence kind of building group. Um, and it's got like 70 members. It's one of the biggest groups, especially for some wow. stuff in Fresno. Um, yeah. And even then, only three or four people at a time ever show up to any of our meetings or get-togethers or anything. So, um, you know, it's kind of weird because a lot of people, you know, doing the coaching thing, a lot of people I know, not, I don't do it for, I do it for free. I just do it because I wanted to help myself. You know, I figured uh, there's nothing that exists, you know, no coaching around here or anything local where I could hang out with people and do things that I wanted to. So I figured I'd just make the group and kind of make it like a round robin, no leader, just, you know, a whole bunch of people who wanted to get together and have the same goal. Um, but I noticed that a lot of people, they don't, they say they have a goal, but they don't ever do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that brings up another point, too. And if you can't find a group that is that you like, then you got to take a look around you and say, I, I need to start something, you know? And... Uh, uh, if, if that's something that's, that's really important to you, then start it. Do it yourself, you know. However, you know, and start to put out what you want in your life. And uh, I'm sure there are other men out there that uh, want the same thing. If they can commit to it, you've got a group. Now, what do you think about Because I actually, in this group, have more women than men, to be honest, which is kind of funny. Um, but well, what do you think about I mean, is it something that maybe, like, specific to men, this kind of issue is a men-only thing? or Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. yeah, you don't want to get into mixed groups. It's uh, it's just too much acting out when you get women in a group with men. You know, guys are trying to show off and you know put the hit on the women. It doesn't work well. You just men on men is you can get deeper. You can you can get you can feel safer. It's just it, it it's a much better uh, way to go about it. You know, so it's not to say that there's not a time and a place for relationship groups, but you don't want to start out there because it's just, uh, you can go much deeper, get feel more safer with other, with men. Yeah, I agree, man. It's like night and day. Like, mixed groups are good. I mean, I do stuff with mixed groups, but when it is just men, it is a completely different dynamic. And it's just like Bert said, man, you go deeper, you talk about real stuff. Like, there's no candy coating. Yeah. It's just the pure, honest truth. Whereas when it's with women, you know, guys hold back, you know, guys try and impress, you know, all that sort of, it just adds a different spin on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Gary, if you need any help with with these things, just let me know. You know, I'll talk you through some of it if you need to. Great, thank you. Yeah. Well, well, suckas. I don't know, man. I mean, like, Bert, I love talking to you because I could talk to you forever, and you could talk about literally anything, man. But uh, I don't know. I figure uh, I figure this is a good time to, you know, I, you know what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, man, just from the moment you started talking, I'm like, God, if people aren't calling you and and, and uh, checking out your website or whatever, it's like, I don't know. So hopefully, hopefully, a lot of guys uh, take you up on that. But uh, how do people get a hold of you? 
Yeah, the website or, you know, through my, just send me an email, Botajet, B-O-T-A-J-E-T, at Mac.com. And if Gary or Jerry, you know, has guys that need some help, just let me know. You know, I'll do a tune-up session with them, you know, no money, no, you know, just see if a, see if there's a fit there. And if they want to do coaching, then we'll talk about it. But Yeah, man. And, and that's whole, what, I think that's Yeah, what, my whole thing is just helping guys get started, you know. And if it develops into a coaching relationship, fine. And, uh, but we'll see how that goes. So, you know, and if it, uh, if it's just us, you know, a man and myself getting together and, uncovering some of the stuff that needs to work on and then he needs to go somewhere else to do it, that's fine. But, uh, you know, so we'll just see. It's I'm not in control of the situation, believe me. Yeah, I really so think much, that's what yeah. separates yourself from a lot of the other guys is that you are in it for the love of it, and that is something which is unique. It's sad, but, you know, you that, that's so true with you, you know. You're a guy. Yeah, I, don't, I don't market myself. I haven't market my, marketed myself that much, Steve. I just can't get into marketing, you know. And I love Brian's work, and but I just couldn't get into the high end thing. I'm slowly moving in that direction. I don't need high end guys. I just need guys that need need support right now, you know. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, man. No, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Well, look, dude, I think we should wrap it up. So, BurtBotta.com, that's with two T's. Um, and Botta Jet is just one T, right? You got it. B-O-T-A-J-E-T at M-A-C.com. Yeah, no, man, that's, that is, uh, that's awesome. So, uh, cool. any final questions, guys? Um, you, nah, I'm good. Sure. Gary, sure. how you doing? Uh, well, how about that? I was going to ask you a question just because I've known a couple of, uh, of, of pilots in my day, and, it's, and you had mentioned this before, that, that pilots are usually, in my, my finding, really, really, really logical people. Like, hyper-logical. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you. You know what I mean? Like, everything has to be orderly, and they're super, like, everything's like, there's no gray area, it seems like, with people who, uh, who I've met who are, like, engineers or, or pilots. And it seems exactly. Like they're like... Really, uh, like Oh, you're really in touch with like your your emotions and your your, your emotional side now. Like it, yeah, totally how, anal retentive. Kind of, how did you get that? Like was that like just a really really conscious like step by step by step by step thing? Uh, I mean, was that really hard for you? No, I've always I've always paid attention to detail, but I don't obsess over it. And there's a there's a way to fly airplanes and be logical without carrying it to extremes. And I've always been able to bridge the gap. There's, but there's a lot of guys that I've flown with who are just a pain in the ass to be with. You know, they just like, <laughs> shit. Everything had to be just like this, you know, and just like that. And it was just like, there's a lot of guys I couldn't relate to. That's one of the reasons I retired early. I wasn't having that much fun. And, you know, after 26 years I did it, I was just like, okay, I did it. Came, saw, conquered, you know, and I wanted to move on because I needed to do work, hard work. And there's not a lot of hard work you can do in the cockpit, you know. So, um, I, you know, I had some nice relationships. I had some great friends. But I wanted to do more of it on an ongoing basis. So that was one of the reasons I left. But, yeah, exactly, Gary. That's that's a kind of a typical, uh, you know, demographic of pilots and engineers. Yeah. And I've known guys that, you know, retired after flying for 20, 30 years and died three years later. You know, and I don't know what it was due to, but... I'm guessing a large part of it was due to the fact that they just really couldn't open up. You know, they couldn't they couldn't disidentify from their role 
as a as a pilot. They couldn't disidentify. They couldn't um, become more uh, intuitive, more more loving, more vulnerable. It just wasn't in there. They just either didn't see the value in it, or didn't realize that how they were living was killing them. So mm -hmm. like a control issue too. Well, oh yeah, you know, big time. I mean, you don't you don't want a pilot. It, so. <laughs> You don't want a pilot that doesn't have control issues. Don't get me wrong, but you know it's nice to be in control of an airplane. But there's a thin line between control and dominating. You know, so right. yeah, mm. I was able to bridge that gap pretty pretty readily. Um, I had a I had a chance to really study guys that I flew with and come up with my composite captain who I wanted to become like because I flew with so many jerks, and I said I was never going to be like that, and so. I had a chance to study those guys, and I, I became my ideal captain. And I really um, thank God for that opportunity to do that because I had a lot of fun towards the end of my career. So, yeah. So feel free to reach out, guys, if you need any help. Just let me know, and uh, I'll be there to do whatever it's whatever it takes to help you with whatever you're going through. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm I, never going to email you. Sorry, Steve. No, okay. Yeah. I'm shoot you an email. So, yeah. I hope a lot of guys uh, listening to this take you up on that offer too, because uh, there really isn't anybody better than Bert who has—I mean, just has the experience. And if you ever get the chance to meet him, you will just get it in an instant from talking to him—the the passion and the drive just to work with people. It's, uh, yeah, man, it's pretty awesome. So, dude, thanks, thanks for coming on, man. We got to have you back on. Yeah, anytime, Stevie. Really appreciate it. I'm glad, I'm glad we connected finally. And I'm sorry I stood you up in Dallas. No, it's all good. I had yeah. plenty of fun. <laughs> Gary, Jerry, good to have you on the call, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, seeing you again if uh, if it if it works. Appreciate it. Okay. Awesome. Okay, guys. Catch right. you later, Stevie. I'll check with you later. Cool. Ciao. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another podcast slam dunk if i might say so myself go to thesexuallife.com sign up on the email list and also man if you like what you heard about uh bert and bert bada geez go to bertbada.com b-e-r-t-b-o-t-t-a.com and uh check out his stuff the man truly is an amazing person and an inspiration to us all somebody who's a, a true leader and we can all look up to him so uh check this stuff out stay tuned to the sexual life podcast follow us on facebook and your life is going to get better. But live the best life possible and uh, be the man you've always wanted to be. Be the woman you've always wanted to be. And spread that all over the world and things are going to change in an awesome way. Thanks, guys.